Hello, my name is Spencer Wright, and this is episode 12 of the Waltz Oasis podcast. On this show, I discuss animals and the people who helped create them from the world of Disney. Topics come from the world of animated and live-action film, shorts, parks, documentaries, and more. Please follow the podcast on Instagram, on my personal page at SpencerWright19070, and the show page at Walt Oasis, where I'll post pictures of subjects discussed. And feel free to email me at waltoasis at gmail.com with any feedback, questions, or episode suggestions. Episode suggestions are always welcome. This week, I will discuss the life and Disney career of Cliff Edwards, who you heard singing at the beginning of the show. Cliff Edwards is most well-known for voicing Jiminy Cricket, as well as one of the crows in Dumbo. Cliff Edwards was born on June 14, 1895, in Hannibal, Missouri, with dreams from early childhood of working in show business. He ran away to St. Louis at age 14, and initially performed as a musician in Saloon for Tips. As a teenager, he also made a living narrating silent films and really just working any kind of job in show business he could find. Oftentimes, musicians were able to break through by adapting a unique style of singing or having an innovative act. Edwards was primarily able to distinguish himself by singing accompanied by a ukulele, showing an impressive ability to entertain while singing in a three-octave range. He engaged in a style of singing he called effin, where he could make his voice imitate a kazoo. Effin and other effects using just his voice were known as scat singing and very popular at the time. This use of the ukulele earned him the nickname Ukulele Ike, which is oftentimes how he was known. The ukulele really entered the mainstream in 1915 and was seen as a perfect instrument with with which to serenade an interested lady. It was relatively small, lightweight, inexpensive, and somewhat easier to learn. By 1924, Edwards had established himself as a celebrity appearing on Broadway with Fred Astaire and headlining at the Palace, as well as performing in the Ziegfeld Follies. So in the 20s, this really made him a top star in the country. He was responsible for the increasing popularity of the ukulele and did market a children's version of the instrument. The singer's voice was notable for being quiet and pleasant, carrying a wide range of notes and octaves. As radio emerged into the 1920s, this was especially important as he had a voice perfect for radio that did not disturb vacuum tubes or cause other equipment vibrations. Other singers at the time, you know, were used to singing on a stage and really having to belt it out to the back row. So it was a difficult adjustment to radio where you can't be as loud, but Edwards did not have a similar issue. 
And again, he engaged in a scat style of singing where you improvise sounds and you use the ukulele to make for very relaxed, enjoyable listening. Some of his music today might seem a little quaint by modern standards, but if you think that he's just managing his own voice and it's him on the stage with him and this instrument, it's really an impressive feat and requires a lot of raw talent to be entertaining. If you've not heard Cliff Edwards sing before, I would highly recommend going on iTunes, YouTube, wherever you access music and giving it a chance. It's very um, easy to find, and I guarantee you will not regret it. Edwards also had many roles in movies, which were primarily small. He did appear in the Hollywood Review of 1929, and this was an early talking picture in which Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer, MGM, featured their extensive cast of stars who were on contract. And notable about his appearance is that he sings Singing in the Rain. He did have several dozen roles for MGM, as well as roles in movies for Warner Brothers and RKO that were mostly very small parts. But it did keep him as an entertainer in the spotlight, especially as we got into the 1930s. He appeared in George White's Scandals, a 1935 film with Alice Faye, a reporter in 1940's His Girl Friday with Cary Grant and Rosalind Russell. That's an especially fantastic film that's a favorite of many. And he could be heard off screen as a Confederate soldier in 1935's Gone with the Wind. So again, in the 1920s, he was a massive celebrity, and he was able to find work into the 1930s, but began to face incredibly tough times. Cliff Edwards, he would never recover his former level of celebrity or prosperity, but working for the Walt Disney Studios would provide him with several decades of work, friendship, and support. So in terms of his Disney career, I will discuss the characters he voiced, um, but I'll dive into the detailed backstories of the creation of these characters in the future. So again, he voiced Jiminy Cricket and Pinocchio and elsewhere, as well as Jim Crow, the main crow in Dumbo. So we will, of course, begin with Pinocchio. In 1881, Carlo Collati began publishing The Adventures of Pinocchio as a magazine serial and eventually published the popular stories in novel form in 1883. The book does include a cricket who initially warns Pinocchio against disobedience, and Pinocchio throws a hammer at the cricket, killing it. The cricket does return later in the form of a ghost and attempts to teach Pinocchio various lessons with limited success. And Jiminy Cricket does play a significant role in the 1940 animated film Pinocchio, singing When You Wish Upon a Star and introducing us to the village where Pinocchio lives with Geppetto. I won't necessarily go through the whole plot. Um, 1940s Pinocchio is on Disney+, Plus, and as I mentioned in my episode on Figaro, has remained a beloved classic, and I especially hear animators and film scholars and individuals like that often cite 1940s Pinocchio as a favorite, and in a lot of ways, animation in general, and Disney animation at its best. We do hear Jiminy Cricket sing When You Wish Upon a Star and give a little whistle as two songs that have also remained beloved classics. Now, when Walt Disney and his artists began developing what became the 1940 release of Pinocchio, the development of characters and the plot did constantly change, and initially Jiminy Cricket's role was to remain quite small. While Geppetto does have a significant role in the final film, he was seen as really one of the major, major top players and even possibly a narrator type role in the film. But the actor hired to voice 
Geppetto, Christian Rube, had a, quite a thick accent, which was deemed too difficult to understand. Also, there were concerns about the tone of the film being far too dark. Therefore, Jiminy's role was elevated to both serve as a narrator and bring a warm and friendly tone to the film. Walt Disney was familiar with Cliff Edwards, whose star had begun to fade by the late 1930s, and he was the 37th person, so number 37, to audition for the role of Jiminy Cricket, and Edwards saw this job with Disney as a blessing, and Walt knew that his soft, warm voice and his ability to sing would be a perfect fit for the character. He could both speak the role and sing the songs, and it's interesting that you know, considering his experience, he did have to audition. But even decades later, major celebrities noted that everyone has to audition at Disney's. Live action footage of Jiminy was used as a reference tool for animators. However, it was not Edwards, but actor Val Stanton and various studio employees who would play various scenes in front of a black background serving as a live action reference. Ward Kimball was Jiminy Cricket's primary animator, and initially he was unsure how to approach the character. He began by drawing a cricket, as in the insect, and then slowly removing bug-like and unpleasant traits until we, you know, the final result that we see today. If not for the name, one may not even realize that Jiminy is in fact a cricket. He does have green skin and an insect-like face, but otherwise has human features and wears human clothing. Kimball explained that he made the character as human-like as possible, believing any insect traits simply made him look gross. Initially, Jiminy was drawn out to be pompous and curmudgeonly, but went through many changes, primarily due to Edward's voice. Jiminy was changed to be more fun and lighthearted, and using slang and vernacular familiar to American audiences at the time. Jiminy Crickets was a common phrase, sort of meaning gosh darn it, or similar. The phrase can be heard in 1937's Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, as well as 1939's The Wizard of Oz. And Cliff Edwards was quite crucial in terms of both shaping Jiminy Cricket as well as the final product we see today. Walt said, At first, we made Jiminy sort of a pompous old fellow, kind of a windbag, unquote. But once Edwards was cast, he, quote, brought so much life and fun in it that we had altered the character to conform with the voice. Thus, Jiminy comes to the screen, lively and full of funny quips, unquote. And then Edwards said of the character, Dawn gone if that little bug doesn't get to you. I went to see the picture the other night, first time. Yes, sir. And I laughed and I cried like everybody else. You know what I'd like to do? I'd like to spend the rest of my life working for Walt Disney. He's the greatest guy in Hollywood, unquote. And what I really want to highlight with what Edward said is that he went to see the movie just by going to a typical movie theater like everyone else. At this time, the voice actors in animated film or animated shorts were relatively anonymous and relatively few and far between, as opposed to now where it, it's a major part of the film in terms of casting, promoting, etc., Gossip Queen had a hopper, fell in love with Jiminy, stating, The most interesting character to me was Jiminy Cricket. And mark my words, Cliff Edwards, whose voice they used, will have a new career because of it. He was wonderful. Unquote. Adding warmth, friendliness, and music helped make the film a true masterpiece. On December 25, 1939, the radio show Lux Radio Theater 
hosted an episode on which Pinocchio was the feature. Lux Radio Theater was a very popular and well-done radio show which adapted movies being released or re-released to radio. And it was a really great way to promote films and to hear stars play roles on radio. And Edwards and much of their cast played their respective roles, with Edwards' narration being especially helpful. He did sing When You Wish Upon a Star and give a little whistle and provided additional narration as needed. And the radio adaption, again, this is Lux Radio Theater, is very, very easy to find today. If you go to YouTube and just type in Lux Radio Theater and Pinocchio, you should be able to find it. And arguably one of the most important legacies from Pinocchio is the song When You Wish Upon a Star, which has become a legacy of the company. And Cliff Edwards' kindly and very clear voice provides the range needed to sing it, the song which opens and closes the feature. When You Wish Upon a Star was composed by Lee Harline with lyrics written by Ned Washington. Recordings of the song from the movie uh, recorded by Edwards and others, were marketed heavily as a part of the promotional efforts for the film, and the value of the song was immediately apparent and it has never faded in popularity. The song won an Academy Award for Best Song, and the American Film Institute has rated it the seventh best song in a movie. The Liber- Library of Congress's National Recording Registry has preserved the song for being culturally, historically, and aesthetic- aesthetically significant. Give a Little Whistle was also written by Harline and Washington, with additional contributions by Paul Smith. Jiminy Cricket in this song attempts to teach Pinocchio to whistle if he is ever in trouble and needs help. Give a Little Whistle also allows Edwards to further display his vocal talents and advance the plot. And most likely this song also helped contribute to Pinocchio winning an Academy Award for Best Original Score of a Musical Picture. And at the time of the film's release, Edwards was not shy about publicly exclaiming his love of working for the Disney studio. And keep in mind, this is a man who had really been around the block. And he explained, The atmosphere there is different from any other studio in Hollywood, and I guess I've covered them all. I want to make more pictures for Walt, and whether I'm cast as a bug or a fish, it doesn't matter, unquote. And the film was released on February 7th, 1940, and Edwards' role as Jiminy Cricket was seen very positively and was mentioned quite often in the press. For example, the Bradenton Herald said, The round-faced, pop-eyed little fellow whose ukulele crooning made musical history in the jazzomania days of the turbulent 20s when describing Cliff Edwards. In their positive review of the film, the Boston Globe said, Jiminy Cricket not only shares starring honors with Pinocchio, he steals the show. Cliff Edwards, who acts as Jiminy Cricket's voice, adds considerably in giving charm and individuality to the Cricket conscious. And then finally, I'll mention a Memphis, Tennessee newspaper review, which said, One result of the Jiminy Vogue, which has already taken hold in the cities where Pinocchio has been shown, is a new lease on professional life for Cliff Edwards, one of our favorite entertainers. Twice divorced, many times flat broke, facing complete discouragement when hired to impersonate Jiminy, he is now in great demand for personal appearances on the strength of this assignment. And while popular, Pinocchio, and then subsequently Fantasia, were not financially successful. With mounting costs of animation and war on the horizon, 
the success of Dumbo, had provided much-needed income to a cash-strapped studio. And due to a straightforward plot, it did not need dramatic alterations as the film was produced. You know, its creation was very delightful, but simple, and while not easy to make, Dumbo was relatively straightforward to produce. Animator Ward Kimball and Cliff Edwards collaborated once again, with Edwards voicing the character, one of the main group of crows, Jim Crow, now more often referred to as Dandy Crow. Other crows in the group include Fats, Deacon, Dopey, and Specs. And in the movie, after Timothy Q. Mouse and Dumbo become intoxicated on champagne, the pair wake up in a tree unsure of what happened. The crows are equally curious and laugh at Timothy's mention of pink elephants. The mouse suspects that the elephant used his ears to fly, and the crows sing, When I See an Elephant Fly, initially mocking Dumbo, but then are saddened when they learn of his background. They devise a scheme to get Dumbo to fly, using a magic feather in a sort of placebo effect. This trick is effective, and the elephant is able to fly. Dumbo becomes a celebrity, and they see a a celebrated Dumbo on his way. A live-action reference was used for the crows. Freddie and Eugene Jackson were a popular song and dance team, known for work on vaudeville and on the silver screen. They performed many routines and poses, which helped choreograph the scene with the crows. Much of the banter and backtalk amongst the group was based on those heard during big band performances led by Cav Calloway, Louis Armstrong, and other jazz bands. Jim Crow smokes a cigar and wears a vest and derby hat. And other vocals for this group of birds was provided by James Basquette, Jim Carmichael, and the Hall Johnson Choir. Ward Kimball and the Crow's primary an, excuse me, Ward Kimball was the Crow's primary animator and formed the distinct look of each bird based on the singers. Cliff said of this character, I like the voice of cackled voiced old Jim Crow a lot. He was a good hearted, salty old cuss. The only time the whole thing gets mixed up is when I stop and think that Jim Crow, as well as a guy as well a guy as he is, would probably, by instinct, have snapped up and gobbled up my good friend Jiminy. When I See an Elephant Fly was written by Oliver Wallace and Ed Washington, and it serves the dual rule dual rule of first mocking the idea that Dumbo could fly, and then as a celebratory ode to the elephant's celebrity. Dumbo, released on October 23, 1941, and has held up as another beloved work of classic Disney animation. It was a favorite of Ward Kimball's, who said, Every story element meshed into place, held together with the great fantasy of a flying elephant. And Edwards later voiced Jiminy Cricket in many projects, including 1947's Fun and Fancy Free. He introduced the animated segment Bongo, narrated by Dinah Shore. Later, he introduces us to the ventriloquist Edgar Bergen and Mickey and the Beanstalk. And Fun and Fancy Free, again released in 1947, was the first time a character from an animated feature was used in another feature, you know, used subsequently. Jiminy sings I'm a Happy-Go-Lucky Fellow, which was originally written for Pinocchio. Other roles in which Edwards voiced Jiminy included commercials for Baker's Instant Chocolate and commercials for American Motors. When the anthology show Walt Disney's Disneyland premiered on television in 1954, When You Wished Upon a Star served as the theme song. The Mickey Mouse Club, another television show, 
premiered in 1955, and this also provided Edwards an abundance of professional opportunities. He was thrilled, stating, I've just recorded three new songs and a flock of dialogue for Walt. I'm making some talking books and new versions of some old songs. Looks like I'm going to be busy for quite a while, unquote. He did appear in person on the Mickey Mouse Club on November 15th, 1955, February 21st, 1956, and November 20th, 1956. He also performed at the Hollywood Bowl as part of the festivities immediately prior to the opening of Disneyland in 1955. He recorded several albums for the company, including A Day at Disneyland, an album in which we are given a tour of Disneyland along with Walt Disney. The 1960. 1956 album, Ukulele Ike Sings Again, was produced at Walt's suggestion with hopes of reminding listeners of Edward's glamorous past. It included hits like Singing in the Rain and Toot Toot Tootsie, but the album sold quite poorly. His last recording was The Further Adventures of Jiminy Cricket, but by this point the performer's voice and comic timing had deteriorated significantly. The singer earned royalties from the recordings through Disneyland Records, and they provided him with much-needed income. A proclivity for a high-end lifestyle and three divorces had largely cleaned Edwards out financially. He also continued voicing the cricket for several animated, you know, series of animated shorts. Um, there was one encyclopedia. It focused on general information. There was one focusing on nature called The Nature of Things, I'm No Fool, focused on safety, and you or this is you, which focused on the human body. And these shorts originally aired from 1955 to 1957. Um, And they're meant to be sort of uplifting, cheerful, but informative. And one of these came about when the Mickey Mouse Club was being assembled in 1955, and Walt wanted a segment on safety. So what better choice than your conscious Jiminy Cricket? As a friendly and small presence, Jiminy could be instructive and calm, and this also allowed for a new generation of fans to become familiar with Edwards and his past success. In 1957, the San Bernardino County Sun wrote, Cliff has been a forward runner ever since he sang his way through the jazz age as Ukulele Ike, and now, 107 movies and 75 million records later, he has a whole new fan following as the voice of Jiminy Cricket in the Mickey Mouse Club. Unquote. And Edward, Edwards was very happy to report, saying, I've got a nice apartment, a nice group of friends, a new car, a new cookbook, a new dictionary, and a new TV set. And once in a while, just to keep in form, I dust off my ukulele and play a few tunes. So I'll mention the one series, I'm No Fool, which initially aired on October 6, 1955. And these were five shorts around bicycles, pedestrians, water, and having fun. Jimmy Dodd composed the theme song, which begins as follows. Oh, I'm no fool, no siree. I want to live to be 93. I play safe for you and me, because I'm no fool. And the purpose of the series was to teach children how to stay safe in an entertaining manner. And surrounded by books, Jiminy would sing and introduce the topic. He would then explain the topic, the history of the topic discussed. For pedestrians, for example, Jiminy explained in part the Appian Way the Romans built, the invention of the sidewalk in Paris, and the complications presented by the invention of the automobile. 
Bill Justice was the primary director of the series, along with Les Clark. And you educated children about the five senses and nutrition. And in this collection of shorts, Jiminy Cricket explained various senses and how they developed to the benefit of mankind. The nature of things relied on some footage from the True Life Adventure series to educate the viewer about different animals. Jiminy Cricket narrated the shorts, which presented the history of different animals from ancient times to the present. Questions like why birds fly or why lions are kings are just, quote, the nature of things. Encyclopedia, spelling out the word in the introduction, uh, used animation and live-action footage to explain an interesting variety of topics like milk, cork, and lobster fishing. And Jimmy Dodd wrote the title song. And then finally, Jiminy hosted the Mickey Mouse Book Club, which was a way to use clips from Disney films while promoting books like Secrets of Life, Cinderella, Lady and the Tramp, and The Littlest Outlaw. Now, I did allude before that oftentimes, you know, Cliff Edwards's career went on a downward spiral, and he was oftentimes in dire financial straits. And this really stems from this world of vaudeville he came from in old Hollywood, in particular the 1920s, which was a world with ample glamour and excitement. But behind the glittering costumes, clig lights, and sumptuous nightclubs, there was also a world of alcoholism, drug addiction, and other vices. And unfortunately, this was something that impacted Edwards quite significantly. As his health declined, he would often spend his time at the studio hoping for work and would regale animators with tales of his days in vaudeville, as well as at the studio. A 1957 arrest for drunk driving was reported in major newspapers like the Los Angeles Times. The singer did have work into the 1950s, which I did mention, but by the 1960s, he was essentially broke and forgotten. Jimmy Johnson, the man in charge of Disneyland Records, remembered, quote, I recorded Cliff as the cricket on some of our Disneyland records, and he was paid royalties for those. But in his declining years, for Cliff was declining right before our eyes, I made some work for him on records, which we really didn't need. Johnson also said, Toward the end, royalties from records were his only source of income. The last time he came into my office, he didn't seem to know where he was or who I was. He was a sad and sorrowful sight that brought tears to my eyes. His housekeeper steered him out to her car. I never saw him again as he died shortly afterward. And he did spend, you know, a lot of his last years, in, especially at the studio lot, as well as in the commissary, being taken to lunch by animators and getting some pleasure out of regaling his pastimes in show business and vaudeville. But in terms of recording albums, he oftentimes stopped showing up for recording sessions. And by 1969, Edwards entered a nursing home and he passed away on July 17, 1971. Walt Disney Productions have been quietly paying his medical bills for several years and his burial was paid for by the Actors Fund of America and the Motion Picture and Television Relief Fund. Cliff Edwards was named a Disney legend in 2000. Jimmy Johnson said of him, quote, Cliff was a warm and wonderful man with never a sour word about anything or anybody. I cherish my memories of him. Thank you for listening to this episode of Walt's Oasis.
singing in the rain. What a glorious feeling, I'm happy again. I'm laughing at clouds so dark up above. The sun's in my heart and I'm ready for love. Let the stormy clouds chase everyone from the place. Come on with your rain, I've got a smile on my face. I'll walk down the lane with a happy refrain. Just singing, singing in the rain. Why? 